Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Tony. And the fitness industry right now is not what it could be. It's become something built on unrealistic expectations, aesthetics, and external validation, directing attention away from what actually matters. The bottom line is we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the fitness industry for the better by giving you the knowledge and tools so you have confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own lives. Where today we are helping you put together a complete mobility routine from the ground up. Building mobility into your routine is like getting a constant oil change on your car. It's going to help you move smoother. It's going to add longevity to your training routine. So you're able to work longer without being sidelined by joint issues or chronic tightness. It's going to improve your performance in the gym, helping you better activate muscles during each set, which is in turn going to make building muscle and getting stronger easier. And it's going to do all this while helping enhance your recovery along the way. Truth is, mobility matters. You're going to learn a little bit about it today. And although our full 12-week training programs are available for free to all premium members, we also built three specific mobility programs that launch with today's episode targeting your shoulders, your lower back and hips, and your knees and ankles that you can add into your current training program to focus on what your individual problem area is. We'll talk about them more later, but they are available right now for free to all premium members. And again, premium is just $5 a month to be a part of. You can sign up for that in the show notes below if you want full access to them along with our full training programs. I've been going heavy into mobility this last year (laughs) of my life, but y'all know we're a three man and woman show, right? It's Mariana, myself, our bomb rock star editor, Reagan, but we don't have a big company working and promoting this for us. The easiest thing you can do to support the show that is free and takes about 15 seconds of your time is just to go rate us a five-star review on whatever platform you are listening to on. And if you're on Spotify, you can actually even follow the show. So every single Monday, a new episode pops up and you don't miss a thing. And quick shout outs to the sponsor of today's episode, our day ones, our homies, our PICs, partners in crime, (laughs) Legion Athletics, which my side note on this one is I finally tried the banana bread whey protein flavor. Banana bread, bro. Blew my (laughs) socks off. I like like the more synthetic, like Laffy Taffy banana flavoring, and this tasted more like my freaking mother just made like a, banana if you were bread. thinking about like a baked good or something it was it was like a... actual banana bread i was expecting more of a laffy yeah. taffy because i'm like it's synthetic right like it's it's not banana bread but it tasted like mm. banana bread which i was happy either way but i i know you don't like it i love that laffy taffy banana well flavor. i don't like artificial banana flavor so i feel like i would like the banana bread you would love it because i was i, I like them both but that synthetic t- flavor of the laffy taffy yeah, you're oh. weird favorite mm-hmm. freaking one but anywho y'all know how much we love legion that's why we've rocked with them since literal day one right i don't know many podcasts that stick with the same sponsor for over what a year and a half now that we've been doing this it's a long yeah. time right but we love them for countless reasons 100 percent of their supplements are backed by a scientific review board they're third party tested and safe and they even have a no questions asked money back guarantee so if you don't like what you saw or see the results that you're looking for you can just tell them send it right back get your money free of charge. You can use the Legion link in the show notes down below or type in code FSPOD, that's FSPOD, at checkout for 20% off your first order or double points every order after that. Now, without further ado, further ado, is it further ado or ado? It's further ado. How do you say that? 
without further, further or do that sounds so wrong it's one of those things yeah i don't really what does that mean further or do like what does or is do it, mean or is now? it for i think it's further ado ado <laughs> we're gonna embarrass ourselves in front of thousands of people <laughs> Unless I don't know. Your it can't be further or do okay we're talking about mobility who cares about linguistics not yeah. me linguistics this is this is <laughs> English class. That's what we're here for. It's important. But this is something I've put a lot more emphasis on in my own routine over the past year. I've been lifting mm -hmm. since I was probably like 16 years old. So probably like 12 years now. But I haven't really put in a dedicated more mobility routine into my routine until, until about a year ago, where I got turned on to this by, do you know Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy? Right? We've talked yes, about I him do. before. Mm -hmm. Right? I started taking his ATG programming, like as he was a coach to go through the different programming and learn different pieces. I've always put it on the back burner just because I'm like, how, like, you know, how important can this really be? But it goes without saying how much more progress I've made just because I haven't had these constant nagging injuries that just pop up every one to three months that for the last 10 years I've just had, right. That have always really kind of stopped me right before I peaked out on a big movement like yeah. squatting or bench pressing or the, if it's my lower back that prevented me from going further in squats. So I had to take a few months off of squatting or my shoulder that took me off of bench for three months, right as I was about to set my new bench PR, had to work all the way back down and regress. It wasn't until I, I finally started adding specifically mobility, which we're going to talk about because I think it's a hot word. Most people don't fully understand. They're like, do I just touch my toes? Is it stretching? It's not. Yeah. But it's made a massive difference in the last year in my training, especially. Is that something with, like that most... you take into account? Like, do you add a lot of mobility in your routine? Ugh, not as much as I should. I'm consistent with it, but I could be doing more. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of people wait until it's almost too late or they find mobility through an injury. If I was prioritizing mobility when I was playing volleyball, I would not have had so many issues with my shoulder and end up dislocating it a bunch of times yeah. and having it would have been as simple as if I had a consistent mobility routine that wouldn't have happened that's the freaking truth I feel like everyone gets to mobility or adding it into the routine because they wait until it's too late they yeah. never do yeah. I, I, the same way I never took it seriously until my shoulder and my lower back kept nagging me down and I just couldn't work past a certain point and I was like screw mm -hmm. this I need to finally take this seriously yeah. we all fall victim to it so funny, is mobility like when he, when someone thinks of mobility you said it's not just it's not just stretching it's not just being flexible but so is there a huge difference between mobility and flexibility and do some people usually get them confused do you find yes because remember how we were talking a few weeks ago i was about when we we're pitching back and forth episode ideas i was like i really think mobility would be a perfect episode because it's a hot button word in topic right yeah. now, but I don't think a lot of people fully understand what mobility looks like in a routine. It's like, should I be doing a specific mobility workout where that's just all I'm doing for the entire session? Am I doing this for five minutes at the beginning and end of my normal lifts? Is this something I do? At home? Like no one really knows. And it's like for mobility, does that just mean stretching? Is that just another fancy yeah. word for stretching? It's not right. Stretching can be included in mobility, but that's where I think we should probably start is understanding like what mobility is. And then we can, from there, move into actually building out a mobility routine, specific tests to figure out where your weak points are, looking at actual routines, exercises, building them from the ground up. So it's not just flexibility. Flexibility is a part of mobility, but it's, it's almost on its own. Where flexibility, if we define it, is just the ability 
of a muscle or muscle groups to lengthen passively through a range of motion. In simple terms, it's just how far can you stretch your muscle, right? Think mm -hmm. of this as your ability to do a split. Can you do the splits? I, I'm, it, it, I used to be able to, if I stretch enough. Like the like, full splits. I can't anymore, but I can get pretty close. That's it. I used to have a friend who would just on the dance floor in like straight up skinny jeans, just be dancing and then hit the freak and it panic. People panic. But he'd hit yeah. the ground in a split position. It cracked me up. I but can do it. My mom can do one. She's always been able to do one. She's never been athletic, never trained. That's why I feel like part of that is like how your joints and your hip placement, like it definitely can be genetic for sure. And I know just like, it, it, like anatomically placed, I know most women have a little bit greater hip mobility than men mm -hmm. just because of the anatomical well, yeah. differences. But <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. They can have babies sometimes. But in simpler terms, when we're thinking about flexibility, it's just how far can you stretch your muscle, right? So thinking of doing the splits, touching your toes, a static stretched position. And flexibility is important, right? This can help improve mm -hmm. your posture. It can reduce tension and soreness. It can lower the risk of injuries when you are doing a workout, improve your range of motion. Flexibility is important, but it's not the same thing as mobility. Mobility is more defined as the ability of a joint to move actively through a range of motion, right? So this involves not just the muscles and the lengthening, but also the joints, the ligaments, and the tendons, which we're going to talk about later, right? So mobility can more be seen in actions like how deep you're squatting, right? Or during different mobility tests that we're actually going to walk you guys through later today, but it's more dynamic, right? It involves both flexibility and muscles, ligaments, joints, taking this all through. So, you know, flexibility is a part of it, but mobility is more just like how mobile is your body, right? And I know we just talked yeah. about this in the longevity episode a few weeks ago, how capable your body is, not just as you age, but right now in your current training routines. I don't think people realize how much more progress they could be making in the gym with good mobility, but it's really just how capable your body is. How, how capable mm -hmm. is it? How much can it do? And how far can it be pushed in certain positions? So I think that separate, does that separate it in like a clear enough way? Do you think, or would you almost add pieces on top of it? No, I think that makes it clear enough. And when you really think about mobility as, you don't have to know the exact definitions and differences between flexibility and mobility. But if you're trying to hone in, hone in on mobility, think about your body taking you through a movement, a full movement, whether that be going all the way down in your squat, that is about mm -hmm. mobility. Coming all the way back up, that is about mobility. So going through the motions, motion, mobility, that's sometimes can just at its simplest form, make it a little bit clearer, I find. Absolutely. That's like the perfect way to put it, right? Mobility without being complicated and everything, it's just how capable is your body going through movements, pretty mm -hmm. much. And this is also kind of why, not just in our newest full body 12-week training program that we put together, but the individual training program and mobility routines that we're launching today with the episode, right? These in involve not just different dynamic and moving stretches, but also strengthening movements that strengthen us in a different stretch or position that you might not be used to, right? To actually strengthen up supporting muscle groups to help your body, I guess, move more dynamically is the best mm -hmm. way to put it. But it's not just touch your toes for 30 seconds at the start of your workout, right? So that's the biggest difference. I think most people don't understand when we talk about mobility, because it's one of the most asked questions I get, I think in my Friday Q and A's on Instagram. But let's talk about what this actually means and where you see mobility show up in your life. 
because I was telling you at the beginning, I, I think even with flexibility and mobility, although it does reduce your risk of injury, that's cool. I'm, I don't want to say I'm lazy in this sense, but that's not a big enough reason. I know it's important, but it's not a big enough reason to get me to do something or to change my routine. It's like, oh, yeah. you'll reduce your risk of injury. Lame. Like I'll, I'll worry about that later, but it yeah. does a lot more. Like it shows up in so many more places, right? Like I think the biggest one is it's going to enhance your performance and how quickly you can make mm -hmm. progress in the gym, right? Think about this. And I hate to draw the analogy to creatine, but you know how everyone used to say creatine is like, oh, creatine's a muscle builder. It's a strength booster. It's a whatever. It's like, think of creatine simply as a performance booster. So in any goal where improving your performance would help, creatine would help. Same thing when it comes to mobility, it helps improve your performance. Any goal that you have, if it's to lose fat, if it's to build muscle, if it's to get stronger, if it's to reduce the risk of injury, whatever goal you have, if improving your performance would help you get there quicker, mobility in your routine would help with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it helps you increase your strength, your muscle building, everything just faster. And there's a few reasons mm -hmm. for that, right? And I know some of you were even talking about in the intro. I think the biggest thing that people don't realize is it improves your range of motion during movements, which allows you just to perform weightlifting exercises more effectively, right? Like for example, better hip and ankle mobility can lead to a deeper, more stable squat getting more activation in your glutes, in your quads, every single rep, allowing you to progressively overload with weight rather than, and this was me, I, I did not pay attention to my hips for the longest time. I couldn't hit depth on squats. And I would always wonder why my lower back was getting injured. It's because I couldn't perform the movement, how it was supposed to be performed, right? Like form was technically correct, but I couldn't really get all out of it. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's so huge to think about that, or even just shoulder mobility or lack thereof, which we just tested before the show. Mariana's a freaking gymnast. I can't touch my <laughs> hands behind my back like that, right? But how improving shoulder mobility can help with any pressing movement, if it's overhead press, bench press, any pressing movement that you have, you're able to put more tension on the muscle. And especially, and this is the biggest part, in the stretched position, which we've talked about before, right? Like the stretch position is arguably the most important part of the movement for muscle growth, right? The stretch position or like for like a bench press at the bottom of the rep, it allows you to progressively overload that part, the most important part of the movement quicker, right? So I'm trying to paint a picture. Does that kind of make sense? Like for people like, oh, this might actually matter. Yeah. Are you, are you lazy when it comes to goals where someone's like, oh, it'll reduce your risk of injury. You're like, oh, I should add this into my routine. Even I'm just someone, I just need more like real reasons. Yeah. I feel like even as someone who's been injured so many times, it's not, it's still not, an, for whatever reason, it's just like still, it's still not enough versus if you were to tell me, hey, if you could get that much deeper in your squat, you're actually going to increase your strength and muscle building potential because now you're going to be focusing even more on your eccentric and you're going to mm -hmm. have a stronger muscle contraction because you're you have more depth and you're pushing your weight even further i think we talked yeah. about like uh the biomechanics of it all doesn't really matter but if you start to tell me that oh that little difference in my depth on my squat is going to make this much of an improvement and especially if you're at a point where you're kind of at a plateau you feel like there's not much else you could do with going up in weight. All right, let, let's focus on 
my depth. Let's look at my form and see how mobile my joints are, see where I'm stiffer, see where I have more potential there. You can get really creative. Uh, Absolutely. That would help me, especially like in my athlete days. I mean, as an athlete, you never want to get injured, but as an athlete, you're going to go hard or go home, especially in like high school and college. Yeah. So if you're talking about getting that much better at something, okay, like that puts it into perspective a little bit more. Especially right if you're competitive. Like if you're like, mm -hmm. oh, if this can improve my performance a little bit, right? If I can increase my vertical, if I can do whatever, you're like, oh, I'll do anything to do that. Yeah. <laughs> improve your risk of injury? Nah, who cares? Like it's, <laughs> it's not the same connect. So, okay, so we're the same on that metric. And I think the bigger piece that I think would help most people understand is not just improving your ability to enhance each exercise, but you're getting better muscle activation during certain movements too. So for instance, if you have tight hips, you might not be able to properly engage your glutes, which should be the prime mover in a deadlift or at the top of a hip thrust, which puts more strain on your lower back. This is something I would struggle with a lot of time at the top of a hip thrust or a deadlift. I would feel my glutes, but I didn't know how much I should be feeling them until I worked on my hip mobility and my lower back would keep tightening up at the, mm -hmm. at the top of this movement. Have you ever felt lower back tightness from oh. hip thrusting heavier weights? Yes, I definitely have. And it doesn't even like, I feel like something that I try to explain to people when they ask me about mobility is just anyone has felt tightness at some point on a lift. and consistently yeah. something that is just like nagging at them and a lot of the time mobility can fix that and i think that that also is something that could be a strong motivator yeah because tightness sucks i always used to blame like having a longer back as an issue because taller people experience more low back pain i think just because there's more stress on that over you have the more day. compression people, forces yeah. yeah and there's just you know everyone <laughs> experiences tightness all right, for some reason or another, whether it's on, a, if you sit at a desk all day, you're probably going to have tighter hips than someone who stands or doesn't. So it's going to help you better activate the muscles that should be working during movements, which is huge as well. If you're someone who's never been able to deadlift or hip thrust or RDL well, because you just feel like you can't feel the exercise, how it should be felt, that might be why, is you might be limited by your mobility. And there's plenty of other reasons to do this, right? It corrects your postural imbalances one which most people struggle with if you've ever gone to like a chiropractor and they're like oh your left foot is an inch lower than your right foot or your hips are off balance or whatever it enhances your recovery right by improving your blood flow to the actual muscles like what when do we do that recovery episode do you remember that i do it wasn't too not long too long ago. ago no yeah but what was like the most important thing about recovery it wasn't a supplement it wasn't anything fancy it was to improve your blood flow, right? It was to like move yeah. and get yeah. your blood flowing. This is going to help your blood flow more and more, which is just going to get more nutrients to the muscle that needs to be recovered from all the training. It helps everywhere. And the biggest thing that I've noticed in the last year, which probably isn't as important to most people hearing this is it gives you greater longevity in your training, right? It gives you greater longevity. So many people I've noticed, and this is just working with clients on a week-to-week -week basis. I hear this from myself over the time. It's easy to zoom in and think week-to-week -week or day-to-day. -day. But even if you're thinking week-to-week, -week, you rarely zoom out and see it from 30,000 feet up and say, okay, over the year, how am I setting myself up for progress? And up until this past year of taking mobility more seriously, I would be making quicker progress during a bench press, during a squat, during a deadlift, whatever it was, by just 
kind of like floor, like pedal to the to the floor. What what is that analogy that I'm trying to use? Pedal, pedal to, to the, the floor. Metal. Pedal to the <laughs> that sound even. I think that's it, but that's I don't want to sound lame, but you know what I'm talking about. Just like flooring it and not focusing on mobility, I'd be making progress until I wouldn't. Right, so I'd build, build, build. You know, take one, two steps forward, take two, three, four steps back because I'd yeah. have an, a nagging injury that would come back. And the ability of being able to go 12 straight months without needing to take off of any major movement of any, like progress just keeps going up. Same idea with taking deload weeks in your training. They're not the most fun and you're not making the most progress week to week, but month to month, year to year, you are, right? That's mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I don't think people realize if you've been in the game for a while, lifting for years, this could be the thing that's missing that is limiting your progress right now. If you're hitting a plateau yeah. or you just can't get past a certain point. At least that's yeah. been the main motivator for me outside of just overall improving performance, which is always huge, you know, no, yeah, same but here. we talked about the differences between flexibility, and mobility, flexibility, mostly just being focused on the muscle. And I think it's important, right, that we touch on the anatomy pieces of it, like the different kinds of joints that they're like, just everything that there really is. Can you walk us through? that because i don't think people realize like if if i say joint ligament most people are like okay i know that's something over here like what like what is it and what parts mm -hmm. are involved yeah. here yeah and i think when most people think about mobility the first thing that comes to mind is your joints so like oh i want to strengthen my knees i want to strengthen my hips my ankles and definitely that is the biggest component there and so let's talk about the joints first but there's also a lot more to it it's kind of Everything is interconnected and what's surrounding your joints, what's stabilizing your joints. There's so many pieces to this intricate puzzle that is mobility that makes it optimal for your body. So talk about joints first, because I feel like that's what most people are familiar with. But when you're looking at all of the joint actions and even your muscle actions that your body is capable of, there's many different movement patterns. So think of a movement pattern like a squat being one that can be created. So in order to allow your body to have such a vast amount of movement possibilities, the 10 main joints of your human movement system have specific roles and responsibilities. So Tony was talking about mobility, the definition of it earlier, and there's mobility-based joints and there's stability-based joints. So mm. Joint stability is the ability of the joint to remain in a fixed position and resist unwanted movement. You need strong muscles and ligaments for providing support and maintaining the correct posture. And the main action of that, that postural balance is going to come from the stabilizing joints. And then with joint mobility, similar to just mobility is the ability of the joint to move freely and easily through its range of motion. So your stability joints, think of your feet, knees, lumbar spine, cervical spine, and elbow. Mobility-based joints, think of your ankle, hip, thoracic spine, shoulder, and wrist. And okay. all of these joints are going to make up your kinetic chain. So the kinetic chain is really what we're prioritizing here with a mobility routine is having a stable, healthy kinetic chain, which is your series of joints stacked on top of each other in an alternating pattern of stability and mobility. So this sequence creates the ideal platform for dynamic human movement. It allows you to move through mm. every motion sufficiently and it should be without pain and it should go smoothly. So 
I'm not going to go too deep into the different types of joints. There's a lot of different ones, but some of the most common you would think of are your hinge joints like your elbow and your knee. They allow for back and forth motion, similar to like opening and closing a door. And they're crucial for movements like walking, bending, lifting. So hinge joints are hugely involved in your lifts, uh, as well as your mm -hmm. ball and socket joint. So that's familiar with your shoulder joint, your hip joint, and they have the widest range of movement, allowing for circular motion and rotation. And they're key in activities that involve swinging and also swimming, I guess, if you're doing like a butterfly and rotating your limbs, but they're also the most prone to injury because of how freely they can move within their socket. And yeah, so that, I was going to ask you that next like i feel like those are the injuries or the joints that you hear about injuries a lot which i guess like a, a joint like in your shoulder or a rotator cuff mm -hmm. you think of as like a mobility joint but would it almost kind of cross over in a stability joint a little bit where building these strengthening and supporting muscles around it would really help prevent injury or is it still just a mobility joint? It's just also important to strengthen the muscles surrounding it. It's a mobility-based like joint with more soft tissue surrounding it. So the soft mm. tissue, which in the, the connective tissue, so your, your ligaments, your tendons surrounding it, there's more of that holding it in place than you would think of like your knee. And because of that, you are much more prone to these soft soft tissue injuries. And okay. it's just because you have more degrees of motion to take it through, there's also more degrees of motion where something could go wrong if you want to think of it as the most at a, at a really basic yeah. level of understanding it. And if you don't have, if you're not strengthening that soft tissue, connective tissue, if you're not prioritizing that, it's, it's almost like leaving it vulnerable, bare. Mm -hmm. you're, you're just making it more prone to subluxing so kind of coming in and out having some subluxing. pain having some subluxing yes so i've never heard that word but i freaking love it what is subluxing it, it makes my skin crawl because it used to happen to me all the time so a full dislocation think of your the ball coming out of the socket that that's a dislocation yeah those videos that you're it just it makes you gag yeah i've dislocated it's probably one of the most painful experiences of my life typically a sign that you are at risk for dislocating your shoulder is subluxing your shoulder. So it kind of slips. It's it almost like it's, I can't even describe the pain. It's like a really, really sharp pinch and it's quick and it kind of takes your breath away and then it's gone. So it's like a slight slip Ooh. and coming right back in. So that's a sublux. And it means that maybe you have a tear in one of the ligaments around there. So you have not as much strength holding it together. And it can also happen if you have an impingement. So something, one of your muscles, your tendons could be pressing against the joint in a weird way. So there's, it's just a sign to that, oh, shoot. I'm like this, if I don't take care of this, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And it's also a sign oh. that you have a soft tissue injury. But joint health is essential for mobility. And if you're not taking care of your joints, if you're not taking care of the soft tissue around your joints – you're going to have a problem. You're at risk of disrupting your kinetic chain. So most common causes of disrupting this kinetic chain are previous injury, chronic overload. So overloading these muscles too much without rest, muscle imbalances. And when issues like this occur, it can affect the normal function of the joint. So if the disruption is severe enough, the joint, or in many cases, 
joints, so multiple joints, will then begin to lose the ability to maintain their primary stability or mobility function. So often the joints that are stability-based will become more mobile, and the joints that are mobility-based mm. become more stable, where you, that will look like, you know, the, these injuries that people are so familiar with or the pain that people are very familiar with along these joints in your lower back. And when joints in your kinetic chain lose their primary role, human movement becomes compromised and the chance mm. of injury increases significantly. So that's kind of what's going on. And you could think, oh, I twisted my ankle or I hit my knee the wrong way. You can kind of conceptualize an injury, but over time, really these overuse injuries, not prioritizing mobility, this is what can happen over time. You're actually switching the primary role of these joints, and that's not a good thing. That's what just made it click for me. I never even thought about that. A sign mm -hmm. that you're getting worse is more stability joints are becoming more mobile. Mobility joints are becoming more stable. That's, you would not want that to happen. That's, yeah. That clicked for some reason when you said it like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That and makes I, a lot of I sense. I remember learning that, that in sense. school, and it just like stayed with me. Forever, because it is complex. I mentioned the connected tissues a bit. I won't go into too much detail about them. Think of your ligaments, your tendons. You have cartilage. You have your synovial membrane. You have bursas. This is all different types of connective tissue. So ligaments, they're like tough, elastic bands of tissue that connect bone to each other, connect bone to bone. And these play a huge role in stabilizing your joints and preventing excessive movement that could lead to injury. And then you have your tendons, which are like strong, flexible cords that attach muscle to bone. So they transmit the force from, muscle, from a muscle contraction to the bones to create movement, which is pretty cool. So they control the movement of a joint. And this is where you see the most injury, a lot of dislocations, or what I was talking about, the subluxing is a result of ligament and tendon injuries. Cartilage is the covers the surface of a bone at a joint, and you see issues there when you think of like arthritis and get bone rubbing on bone. So that's not really uh, what we're going to focus on here. But mobility yeah. work can absolutely help with symptoms of arthritis and the progression of it over time. I was going to say, if what else not, outside of a mobility routine can you do to prioritize just having healthy joints, having healthy ligaments, yeah. having healthy tendons? Outside of mobility, like what other because obviously there's other stuff that goes into it. It's not just mobility yeah. or die. Yeah. So mobility, obviously strength training is going to be the next big important one, making sure you have those compound movements and taking your bigger joints, like your hip joint, your knee joint through the full range of motion and progressively overloading that weight. That is going to be huge because that, when you think of the knee, one of the best ways to protect the knee is to take it through a loaded, loaded flexion and extension. So thinking about bending it because you're going to be moving. There's this stuff called synovial fluid, which lines Yummy. your knee and it's found in your synovial membrane. And this is almost think of it as the lubricant to the joint. It's going to keep your joints from getting sometimes I'll say squeaky or stiff. And the constant movement of this fluid throughout the synovial membrane, you're almost just constantly lubricating it, constantly giving it more, a greater ability to smoothly move through that motion. And that's just, that's just the synovial membrane. And you're saying that improves by doing strength, like taking your, your joints through these full range of motion and loaded. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cause yeah, yeah, lube runs out, things start to hurt, <laughs> yeah. which I was wondering 
with this as well, I think this is why the knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick, that's his literal name because he kind of popularized that movement, is taking your knee joint through such a wide range of motion that people previously just kind of ignored, which mm-hmm. is crazy. But that's why it, it drives me crazy because so many people say that weight training is so dangerous or like the risk of injury is too high. And that's why weight training should be avoided. And it's like, no, weight training is probably one of the most protective things you can do. And obviously there's going to be injury in any physical domain that you go after, but weight Mm -hmm. training specifically is going to be one of the most protective things you can do, right? Like that's always confused me because so many people are worried about risk of injury. So they use that as an excuse not to lift weights. But when you say like more compound movements, like when we're thinking like squats, deadlifts, bench press, those are the compound movements. But I want people to realize too, either because of your gym equipment or maybe a lack of mobility at the moment, it's totally fine if you're not able to do a barbell back squat or a barbell deadlift. But we've talked about this, I forget which episode, but there's many regressions or steps backward from these movements. Like if you can't do a full barbell back squat, you could try maybe a dumbbell goblet squat, which is much, much easier, gives you a deeper range of motion. Or you could even try simply a leg press or sitting and standing from a chair. Like there's many regressions to each of these movements, but it's more the compound movement pattern that you want to target rather than just having to do the barbell. Because even there's some people here, like they might have terrible knees where like, yo, I can't even do a squat, like a body weight squat. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine too. That I think the squatting movement pattern should be a goal, but we're even going to talk about like some knee building exercises. Like one of the most basic, simple ones that you can do that Ben Patrick popularized is walking backwards. Like simply walking Mm -hmm. backwards is the most basic, but one of the most powerful movements you can do to build stronger bulletproof knees on a treadmill outside, just walking backwards because it's taking your joint through a limited range of motion, but it's loading it at a very light resistance, allowing you to progressively move through it, right? So you can always work forward, but it's a yeah, huge point to aim at those compound movement patterns. But what, yeah, yeah, what else is there outside of the strength, outside of the, the workout parts? Yeah. So I have to add in nutrition. Nutrition is really important for healthy joints, healthy connective tissue. And it's not just some simple, this food is going to give you bulletproof knees. Not, not like that at all. It's just... Mm a well-rounded diet that definitely prioritizes plant foods and proteins. So when you're talking about plant foods, you want to make sure you're getting omega-3s and antioxidants because those are both anti-inflammatory nutrients and they're not going to directly target inflammation, but they do have anti-inflammatory properties that over time, if you're eating them, that's going to make a difference. It's not just some direct, oh, I have some inflammation in my knee. And now that I'm taking fish oil or having salmon once a week, it's going to get rid of it. No, it's part of your overall diet, but it's still something you can incorporate that if you're playing the long game is going to help. So think of omega-3s like your nuts, your seeds, your fatty fish, and even fish oil if it's harder to get it from your diet. And then specific vitamins that can be helpful for your connective tissue are vitamin C and minerals like zinc and copper are essential for tissue healing, collagen synthesis, and overall tissue Mm. health. Now, collagen is a huge, huge hype word, especially if you're talking about connective tissue. And to increase collagen production in the body, make sure you have sufficient amounts. The biggest thing and really the only thing you can really do from a dietary perspective is make sure you're eating enough protein. So hitting your protein goal. So collagen is a protein. And just by taking collagen peptides as a supplement, you still break that down into amino acids and your body chooses how you 
use those amino acids to make new proteins, it doesn't automatically mean that it's going to make more collagen in the body. But making sure that you're getting enough protein is going to ensure that you are producing sufficient amounts of collagen and making enough collagen in the body. And I think a lot of people, ooh, that's, that's, what that's, I was gonna that's ask a hot you next. topic for sure. I mean, yeah. you can get, I don't even think, does collagen, do collagen peptides even have, like compared to whey protein? I don't think it contains all I, the I haven't acids. seen any, like the research on collagen that I've read, they never do control it to like a protein. It's just a control group that's not taking it. Never a whey protein, never anything else. Because we've talked about that. We were just trying, we're like, what episode have we covered this on? We've talked about it before. But yeah, it's like there's mm -hmm. no real way to guarantee that the collagen supplement you're taking is actually turning into the collagen Col tissue in your body. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no real way yeah. to do that. Because I was like, as far as people rank, that's probably one of the most hot button joint health supplements you could buy, mm -hmm. right? If you just go to yeah. Amazon and, and Google joint health, I feel like collagen would probably yeah. pop up. Would you, it sounds like fish oil omega-3s would almost be up here and then making sure you're up sufficient in mm -hmm. zinc copper stuff like that and just a protein diets but like supplemental wise it seems like fish oil is the one that you might actually aim recommend for. Yeah. yeah yeah okay so that's nutrition in short and I, protein is going to be a huge piece and then I, i'm sure we'll say it again in this podcast but avoid overtraining if you are not resting and prioritizing recovery as well then you are putting these joints and your soft tissue under too much tension, you're predisposing yourself to more injury. So prioritize rest, prioritize sleep goes unsaid. I feel like at this point, it's yeah. always going to be something that- People always forget I about just... that. I think repetitive stress injuries, people don't pay enough attention to just because when you're breaking down tissue, like muscle tissue recovers fairly quickly, right? Like you're, you're creating muscle damage when you're lifting weights, but that muscle damage is usually repaired within 48 hours of your training session, no matter how hard or challenging it is within 48 hours, your muscle can usually repair itself, but the softer tissues, the ligaments, the tendons, they can't repair that quickly. So if you're no. doing seven days a week, your body, if you're managing your load correctly, can recover from six, seven days a week. I don't usually recommend it, but if you really do manage your load, you can recover muscularly, but you got to remember those soft tissues, the ligaments, they can't recover at the same rate muscle can and those days yeah. off can be so so helpful and quality sleep is where you're rebuilding that like when growth hormones release to really control those repairs and that's the people mm -hmm. i think i'm glad you said that because people don't realize that aspect of it we're going to give you some specific mobility tests so you can help identify weak parts for you because if you listen to this myself and mariana all walked into the gym first off we'd have a ball great time. Second of all, we'd all have different levels of mobility, right? We'd all have different levels of mobility. Like my hips might be way, way tighter than whoever's listening in Mariana's where Mariana's knees and ankles might need more work than mine or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And it's this, this concept of really knowing where you need to go or what direction you need to go is based on where you're currently at. Like there's no such thing as good or bad, right? We talk about that all the time here. Like more mobility mm -hmm. can be good for someone and bad for another person. Less mobility or more complex mobility can again be good for some person, bad for another. So where you should be going is more based on where you're currently at. And I was actually just rereading one of my favorite books of all time. I actually think you, mm, you wouldn't dig on this because it's not, I think you dig the principle, but I know you like more um, 
fiction rather than nonfiction. I'm more of a nonfiction, but it's called How Not to Be Wrong by Jordan Ellenberg. It's basically, it's mathematical principles or mathematical thinking so you can better understand and problem solve in the world. I freaking love oh, it. No, like I more basic like mathematics. It's, it's so sick, but- I wouldn't he, read it for f- fun, but I would read it for knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good old time doing it. But he brings up this, this common economic principle and how it relates to real life called the Laffer Curve. Have you ever heard of the Laffer Curve? In economics? I took econ in grad school and I know, yep. That face made me think that it scarred you. <laughs> but it did. The Laffer curve, and I'm going to try my, my best to verbally explain if you're not watching this so I can like draw it out with my hands. But the Laffer curve, it's a concept that was made popular by this guy, Arthur Laffer, I think in the 70s. It pretty much just showed the relationship, and I'll tie this back down to mobility in a second, but it shows the relationship between tax rates in a society compared to the amount of actual tax revenue collected or money collected by the government. So if you're a new society and you're a government and you're deciding how much should we tax our citizens, there's kind of a curve where you just imagine a straight graph, right? Where the X axis or the bottom line measures tax rates from 0% all the way up to 100%. And the Y axis or up and down axis is measuring how much money is collected by the government from the society. Now, most people, like when I first was like, well, obviously the higher percentage you charge, the more money you're going to make, right? If you're charging 80% of a tax rate, you're going to be collecting more money than 40%, obviously. But this is where the Laffer curve comes in. So instead of a, a gradual straight line forward, it's a little rainbow curve where at both 0% and 100% tax rate, the line is at zero, $0 collected, which I think most people don't really realize where the peak or like the optimal tax rate is somewhere in the middle. In this analogy, it's much more complex than this in real life. It's about 50%. So theoretically, the government collects no revenue at either far point of the graph, right? Because when the tax rate's 0%, there's just $0 that could or should be coming in. But when the tax rate is 100%, there's no incentive for people to work and earn money. So there's going to be no money to collect because no one's working. Like if, if you were going to be taxed 100%, you're like, wait a second, I could make the same amount of money if I just didn't work. So there's that curve where you start to realize the balance. So somewhere in the middle is usually the optimal part where it's the best tax rate to maximize revenue without discouraging people from working. So based on where you are on that graph, more or less would make more sense. So TLDR, too long, didn't read. More is better until it's not, right? There's such a thing as overdoing it with mobility and complexity. And that's how it's going to translate. Where you go depends on where you're currently at. So here's a couple mobility tests that I'm going to walk you through real quick so you can understand like where your weak points are and where you should be giving your time. Because we're going to talk about next how to build the optimal routine. And if you want to focus on everything, it can seem overwhelming, right? It can seem like a lot's Mm -hmm. going on. But I think the most popular, and I think for good reason, mobility test would be the overhead squat assessment. And you can look all these up on YouTube by name if you want to. Would you agree? I feel like that's the most popular for good reason mobility Mm -hmm. assessment, the overhead squat. How do you do in the test if we tested you right now? Would you be able to perform a perfect one? I I can do pretty good with the overhead squat. Pretty good. This is one where I used to struggle big time, but essentially you can do this at home. And if you don't have a coach or someone to watch it, you can just videotape yourself doing it from the side and the front. And you can identify what parts of your body or that kinetic chain are really struggling more than others. Because I promise people are going to have different problem areas, right? Like your shoulders might be aggressively tight, but your hips might be pretty damn good. 
or vice versa. It kind of moves from there. So the overhead squat is just a more comprehensive test. And this one is actually the only one that we're covering today that assesses the mobility of your entire body, your ankles, your knees, your hips, your spine, and your shoulders all together instead of isolating each one, right? You simply just stand with your feet, shoulder width apart, no wider, and you raise your arms straight over your head, trying to make your body into a completely straight line. Once you're there, you just try and squat down as if you're sitting back into a chair while keeping your arms raised, right? So you try and squat as deep as possible until you can't squat any deeper, right? While keeping your heels on the ground on your arms overhead. And how you identify based on this movement or what your overhead squat looks like, because it's uh, even just this basic test. I think if you're not familiar, people struggle with this harder, like the first time they it's, try it. Now Don't that you agree? I'm thinking like the, about it, I do okay with it, but... I I think it kind of depends. The first time people do it in a while, it, they struggle with it. Yeah. But here's how you identify different areas that need improvement, where if your heels, if you notice, lift off the ground or you can't get deep into that squat without your heels coming up, it's going to indicate really limited ankle mobility, right? So your ankle mobility sucks, right? If you have a difficult time keeping your arms raised, right, pointed straight into the sky, that's going to point towards tightness in your upper back and shoulders, right? If your knees start to cave in, it could be a sign of weak abductors or knee mobility, right? So this really kind of helps you pinpoint different parts of the movements based on where your stopping point is. And it could be all three. You could be just falling over. Like a lot of people, when they try this, and it's not a bad thing either. A lot of people squat, they're like, that was the ugliest squat I've ever seen in my entire life. It's a hard movement to, to do full range of motion correctly. So that's one of my favorite ones to assess where things are, but there's more specific ones we can quickly go through that again, you could look up on YouTube if you want to, to pinpoint specific areas. Like for shoulder mobility, you can do the mobility reach test, right? And this test just assists, I mean, it assesses your shoulder and upper back mobility, but you essentially just stand up. This is what I made Mariana do right before the show. I don't, I cannot I'm do it. So I was side. impressed. You this did it with side, one I'm side. Not good at. Yeah, Wait, which if, you, if you're just listening audibly and you can't see Mariana doing this, you essentially you stand and reach one arm over and back of the shoulder and your other arm, opposite body, up from the back and below, and you're attempting to touch or overlap your fingertips in the middle of your back or clasping fully, right? Then you repeat this with your other arm because that's what we noticed too is Mariana has a lot greater mobility on the non-injured shoulder. That makes sense mm -hmm. than the injured shoulder. But you assess that because that can also help you point out imbalances in your shoulders. But if you can't come close or fully touch, you might just have a lack of mobility in your shoulder joints or your upper back. One of my, and the easiest ones, but one of my favorites for hip flexibility is the Thomas test. Have you heard of this one before? Yes. And I never thought that this, because I, I have pretty flexible hips. So I've always think I've taken this for granted. But I remember doing this one with a lot of the hockey players when I was a trainer and how bad. They, I mean, hockey players are notorious for having fucked up hips and stiff hips. I was going to say, because their hips one was are the same so movement. easy. Yeah. But Oh, I bet those, because they're sprinting and how much yeah. hips involved. I can see hockey players being the worst at this, but yeah. if you're not like Mariana, if you're not just blessed in this area, right? Lie down on a bench and lays, that's, that's raised off the surface of the ground, right? So you're not on the ground, but you're on a bench that's raised off. And your legs are hanging off the edge, right? So you scoot your butt up to the very edge. So when you lay fully back, your back all the way to your glutes are on the bench and your legs are hanging off. Now, all you do is you pull one knee towards your chest and give it a hug, letting the other leg hang freely. So you're not trying to lift it up or push it down. You're just seeing where it hangs and you just observe the position of that hanging leg 
right? Now, if the leg is not in line with the edge of the bench or lower, right? Like if it's lifting off, that's going to indicate that you have tight hip flexors, right? So if as you hug one knee, the other leg kind of raises up, you probably have height, uh, tight hip flexors, which I think hips are probably the biggest problem area for most people in society today, I would guess with desk jobs, sitting all day, right? Type hips, they're, they're hard to escape from. But that would mean, obviously, to put more emphasis on your mobility work here. And then a simple one for your spine and lower back is that cat camel or cat cow stretch, right? And this one's seen like yoga classes all the time, but you essentially are just going from a cat or camel position, right? Bowing and arching your back and just observing how much range of motion you have in your spine. Right. If you're able to actually yeah. give it a full bend and arch or if it if it has a hard time moving side to side. But you'll probably notice tightness in that just even doing the test and in that, the first place. That stretch is actually one of the very few stretches that is can take your you could focus on your lumbar spine, your thoracic spine. You can focus on multiple different areas of mobility that can help with if you have you can target kind of the pain of your back and yeah. that we have it in our mobility routine for the hips and lower back. But if you just take a band, so um, like a thinner workout band and you kind of wrap it around, you start at the top of your back and I would need a picture to show how you wrap it around, but it's adding a little bit of resistance to the cat camel and mm. then you slowly bring it down all the way to the bottom. That's like, it's hard to work thoracic mobility it's definitely difficult i mean you can do stretches but really targeting that mobility piece just because of the structure of your spine you're a bit limited but that one is really good yeah that one's one of my and it seems basic so i think people just look past it almost because it seems more basic but it's one of the best ones you can actually do and in these two like we're not saying we're not including any sort of stretches like in our mobility routine in the in the ones we're about to give you here on the podcast too but there's also probably we're going to see more dynamic stretches versus static stretches, right? The cat camel yeah. or cat cow being more dynamic where you're actually moving through different stretch positions rather than just touch your toes and hold it for 30 seconds. But you want to perform some of these tests so you get a good idea. And a lot of you probably can honestly just by paying attention through your day, get a pretty good idea of where you should probably put a little bit more emphasis on, right? If you have tighter hips or lower back or shoulders or ankles or knees or whatever it is. And that's where you'd want to focus or maybe just spread time evenly. Okay. So let's talk about building mobility into your routine and how we're going to do this right now. This is because in our mobility programs that we built, that's free for all premium members. Again, we'll put that sign up in the show notes below, but we're going to have specific rep counts, weight progressions, rest times, and more mapped out into different progressions. But for the basics, and if you're like, well, what, like, where do I start? Like, what's, what's this, if you don't want to try out the programs, is ideally you would put these at the beginning of your workouts. Almost, I like acting as your warm up, right? One to three times a week, depending if you're a beginner or more advanced. If you're a beginner, just start with once or twice a week. You don't need to be doing this every single day. Or another routine you could do is if you're someone who only works out two, three, four days a week, this would also be something you could do at home, right? A lot of these are something you could do at home to kind of break it up and give you more movement through the week. I think would be the best, most two preferred times to add this in. Now, I think a big piece of this and what we talked about earlier, you want to start with something that gets your blood pumping, right? Like you want to increase your core temperature. That's the most important part because you're going to notice, and you could even notice this by doing the, some of these mobility tests that we just did. Do the overhead squat test 
then go just do anything that gets your blood pumping do the jump rope run on a treadmill for a few minutes do it again and notice just by that how much your your mobility improves so you want to be doing this when you're at least a little bit mobile i like what's your favorite form of cardio or something to get the blood pumping i've been liking the assault bike more and more Fuck that off. you're Literally you're using not for heart i but, hate uh, that thing so much <laughs> Really? I think I have PTSD. I just, okay, high intensity, that could make you barf. That could make you throw I up. I used if you're to going have to hard. use it for conditioning during volleyball. And so I hate it. It's brutal if you use it for like high intensity cardio, but for a warm-up, for a warm-up, mm -hmm. I just love it because it's taking your shoulders and your knees and your hips and your ankles, all of this through an active range of motion over and over and over and over again, which can be so helpful instead of just anything else. Uh, you could walk on a treadmill, anything's gonna help, but that's been my favorite lately. Do you have a favorite or do you yeah. just hit the treadmill? Treadmill or Stairmaster are my favorites, which doesn't really get your upper body, but do some arms. But either things. way, like, yeah, the goal is just to get your, your heart rate up. So anything yeah. works and not a lot of gyms have the assault bike either, but you want to start with a warm up, get your blood pumping. And then honestly, more realistically, I just recommend picking maybe two or three movements from each area that needs work and you can build from there, right? If you have one area of focus, yeah. you can maybe add four or five, but Pick a couple movements at a starting level and progress them from where you're going, right? So we're going to go through a couple movements in each area that we've mentioned, right? Your shoulder mobility, your low back and hips, and your knees and ankle, and just some examples, right? Not necessarily saying these are the perfect ones or even all that are included in our routine, but from a beginner, intermediate, and advanced stage. Because again, wherever you enter is going to be a different place, or at least to give you an idea of where you could move things forward. Now, the beginner stage for all of these are going to seem so, so simple, but make some of the biggest difference, right? So let's start with shoulder mobility, for example. I struggle with this one a lot over the past year in identifying that just because I bench pressed three days a week. So that's been something that nagged me down for the longest time. The simplest and best things I think you could add in to start and keep would be an arm bike. I don't know if many gyms have those anymore, but are specifically forward and backwards, like mm -hmm. taking it up and down more than a soul bike or just a simple dead hang, which is honestly one of the most important ones for full body, right? Where you just grab a pull-up bar and you just let your body hang like you are dead, right? You're not mm -hmm. tense. You just hang like you're dead. It decompresses your spine, your rotator cuff, your shoulder blades, your elbows, every joint in your body just decompresses. And if you can't dead hang because your grip strength is challenging for very long, I even recommend getting lifting straps for like eight, 10 bucks on Amazon and strapping it on. So your grip isn't the limiting factor. So you can hang for 45, 60 seconds. Those are a game changer. Have you ever done those consistently for a while? Those. Yeah. I used to have to do them in PT for my shoulder and I really hated them. They're hard. You really hate. Mary, I was hating my stuff. Well, I, I don't bike. like, That's I will forever. I, I will forever hate. I do it. I shoulder any type of shoulder mobility, like anything. I hate it. I do it, but I hate it because I no, got two tough. surgeries. So if you think of like my shoulder, how it is held together, it's almost like there are brand new rubber bands that have barely been pulled at all. That's what it feels like in my shoulder because it's so tightly sewed together. It's gotten better yeah. with PT, but it will always be so much tighter so it's just a personal absolutely yeah personal hatred but it's dead hangs and i would almost say like if you have time for one mobility movement 
which you should have more than this. If you listen to this and have made it this far and you're going to prioritize this moving forward. Honestly, if you just had one for your total body, I would say, honestly, dead hangs probably are the biggest bang for your buck, right? Where you're just literally hanging from a bar. But those are good beginner mm -hmm. starter pieces and stick with the ones that you like and then add on to it over time. At an intermediate level, and these have been what have helped me the most personally over the past year. A good example would be dumbbell or cable weighted shoulder rotations, right? So this is more of a strengthening movement for the supporting muscle groups, right? So your rotator cuff has four main little muscles that help support it, right? The supra and infraspinatus, the teres minor and the subscap, where if those are weak and you're doing heavier pressing movements, so especially this bogs down, I know I talk about it and this is more anecdotal, but bench press is your chest can support a lot of weight. Or if you're rowing, you can support a lot of weight with your lats or your back or your chest or these big muscle groups. But a lot of the time, these smaller supporting muscles are not strong enough to handle that much weight. So that's something that bogs down a lot of people over time. But essentially, you're just doing this. And we'll, uh, I'm going to try and link all these how-to videos down the, the show notes below. But again, you could just look this up on YouTube. You're essentially just sitting down with your legs spread apart, resting your elbow on one. And then with the dumbbell, you're externally rotating the weight up. So you're getting a really good stretch at the bottom, which is the most important part, or a cable where you're pulling it laterally right towards you where the hardest or most challenging parts at the top of the movement, right? A more advanced mobility movement for the shoulder would be really practicing and improving like an overhead squat technique with a stick and then slowly adding weight over time. But that's, that's something I personally can't even do with my current shoulder mobility, but that's a more advanced God. technique. Yeah. That's overhead squats are brutal. I, I, I do respect them. people that do those. I respect people that do them. They're hard. They're just okay. from a mobility strength. It's total body hard. Now moving into though, those are some examples for shoulders, some hip, lower back mo mobility routines. I think beginner, the best one we already covered that cat cow or cat camel stretch, yeah. right? Going in on those, one of the easiest ones you can add in. And I think even if you're someone who has gone through an injury, right? Like you're talking about your shoulder, like you with your shoulder injury probably could not just jump into an overhead squat. Right. No, no. Starting on, we could dead hang though. Same thing with lower back. Even if you're severely limited, you could do a cat cow to a degree to do this. Yeah. And, and you can make it more intermediate with like different resistance bands as well. So I like that Absolutely. The cat cow because it's kind of something you can take with you no matter what level you're at, because you can add that resistance and it's just really good to take through that range of motion. Absolutely. If you're curious about this too, I know we're going to give some additional resources at the end. I know like The Ready State by Kelly Starrett, he's insane, but the amount of mobility and progressions he's made to, because you're right, like you could make a very beginner exercise advanced by just tweaking mm -hmm. a few things around or vice versa. But that would be a solid one to start with for your lower back and hips. A more intermediate would be more dynamic pigeon pose with a twist, right? This is just an example that I don't even think is included in our mobility routine, but a good example for someone who, if you're familiar with the pigeon stretch, right, where you bring one leg up and forward, it's usually like a glute stretch or a hip. This is more getting ease into it and then twisting underneath as far as you can to really loosen up your spine while hitting your glutes and your hips, where a more advanced, and this is a more strengthening technique, is a Jefferson curl on a slanted board, Oh, which these are brutal over time. I know in Sima Young, I think is the, this is the first one who I saw doing these. Have you ever done Jefferson curls or essentially the RDLs where you are bending your back like one 
one vertebrae at a time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jefferson curls. Yeah, it's essentially like if you see someone doing a Jefferson curl and you don't know what a Jefferson curl is, you're like, that is the worst form I've ever seen on an RDL, right? Like that's (laughs) if you saw someone doing a Jefferson curl and you don't know what it is, that's the worst form I've ever seen on an RDL. But it's essentially doing an RDL and it's on a slanted board so your toes are up and your posterior chain, your calves and your hamstrings are a little bit tighter. But you're essentially just rounding your back one vertebrae at a time, weighted. But I think lower back and hip would be where most people struggle just because again, that's just so many people have a seated desk job. Do you have tight knees or ankles? Oh my God. The, my knees crack a lot. I don't know what that means, but every time I bend them, they crack. Crepitus in my knees is, but no, I I got good knees. Yeah. I thought that was just a a Gen Z term. You always keep No, that's that's the definition of like, it's the medical definition of like popping and clicking. Or cracking in your joint. Okay. But uh, I feel like with, with your movements, you, have, you probably have pretty good mobility. Oh, I do. Ankles, wouldn't that, you say? I feel like I've always been pretty mobile in my lower body. It's my upper body that I am not as great with. Okay. And my my knees one, and ankles are good. My hips, so-so. <laughs> and tell me if you think, if you align with me here. I feel like for knees and ankles ankle like knees you would be able to feel like most people without doing one of these tests will know if they have bad knee mobility because you can usually Mm -hmm. feel it throughout the day ankle mobility i don't think is as easy to recognize through day-to-day without actually testing it or seeing it limit you in a squat like for example i've never had ankle pain in my entire life but it wasn't until i started working on some mobility tests till i really realized how much my ankle mobility was limiting me in certain movements. Mm-hmm. I feel like that one's harder to identify, don't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's kind it's of a like, little bit. Like, I know there were some people, I remember in high school, that were just super prone to ankle sprains and would yes. always sprain their ankle. So that would be a sign. But it's kind of harder to determine until it's one of those things until you start to notice more frequent injuries. It's harder to tell, like, do I have weak yeah. ankles or. <laughs> yeah. And you might not notice, like maybe if you're struggling with a certain part of your squat or your deadlift, like a lower body movement, you, this might be a limiting factor, which could be helpful for this. But the two most basic places to start if you're a beginner, honestly, simply for ankles is just simple ankle circles, right? You could even spell the alphabet with your feet and just work on that mobility over time. But one of the best and kind of like the dead hang, one of the best knee builders that you could possibly add, this one was from Ben Patrick too is just by walking backwards. Walking backwards is one of the best things you can do. It's the heart of Ben Patrick's Bulletproof Knee program. It's added in ours as well. Walking backwards. It's insane, but it reduces knee stress. It strengthens and emphasizes the posterior change while also targeting your quad, right? Because your quad's gonna be pushing you forward every single step you take with just a very minimal resistance. So you're not likely to injure anything. Right, but it's one of the, the the biggest things that you can do to lubricate and strengthen that knee joint is just by simply walking backwards. And I know even like one of my friends, Katniss, she's an MMA fighter, like pro MMA badass. She had I don't know how many ACL or MCL tears she's had in her life, but until she started adding in a backwards walk every single day, she's now got it to where she can do insane vertical jumps. She can just go crazy with her knee mobility and health and has never had a problem since then. And she attributes it to just simply walking backwards, right? On a treadmill outside, 
walking backwards, which have you ever done on a treadmill in a gym before? Because I want to give people a heads up. It's scary because you feel like you're going to fall on your face. It isn't. Yeah, it is not. It is because it's so awkward. It's not how your body wants. It's not what your body is used to at all. Like you're, you resist it a lot at first because it feels so unnatural. Especially on a treadmill, which is even more unnatural than just walking on the ground. So -hmm. if you can walk at like four miles per hour on the treadmill, do not start at four miles per hour walking backwards. Like start with, I'm not joking, like 1.5 mile per hour, hold onto the side rails and just get comfortable (laughs) and slowly speed up because all you're aiming to do is go through repetitions. So it's not like you need to go as fast as you possibly can. You're just going through repetitions. So get comfortable. It could just be a slow mosey walk, but you're just going backwards, making sure your knee is over your toe when your toe is touching the ground, pushing you backwards each time. A more intermediate knee and ankle mobility routine would be a bench. This is one that a lot of people are going to tilt backwards, but has become more popular recently is either up on a bench or even honestly on the ground, a knees over toes lunge. Putting your foot up, your, your working foot up on a bench really helps with mobility and just leaning into it as far as you can while keeping your heel down. Or a progression of the past one is instead of just walking backwards, backwards pulling a sled. Like if you have a weighted sled at your gym, which I know most don't, you can actually add some weight to the movement. Or a more advanced technique, more inspired by Kelly Starrett, right, is the slanted board squat. So this is heavy strengthening and lengthening the movement to really take it. Because if you ever notice in like a goblet squat, this is why with my goblet squats, when I'm coaching or doing them or what Kelly does with a barbell back squat is if you have your heels elevated, you can use a plate for this one to make it more simple or a actual piece of wood. It allows you to go so much deeper and get so much more range of motion out of your knees. And it does put a lot more emphasis on your quads than your glutes during a squat, totally separate movement almost. But one of the biggest things you can do to put a full range of motion on your knees and there is countless other techniques you can do by adding in foam rolling, by adding in mobility bands and all these different pieces. So this was just to give you an idea of what some of that looks like. And if you don't want to go through and get the the programs that we had here, I know there's some other like resources like Ben Patrick. I liked his program. It was ATG, but it's also like 50 bucks a month. Like it's a coaching practice. I think that it was at like 60, 50 when I was doing it. I don't know what it's at now. But he also has a ton of helpful videos on YouTube. Some of them are linked in our program for like the how-to videos. And then The Ready State is what Kelly Starrett's mm-hmm. YouTube channel, or I think his book is called Becoming a Supple Leopard, right? Mm-hmm. Which is m- better organized. But his, his YouTube channel has over 500 videos without any real organization. And his book's a little bit better organized, but it almost becomes overwhelming because there's just so much to do and go through where it's like, where do I belong here? Right. But yeah. those are some, some ones to look at there. But to wrap things up, I think we want to go through some do's and don'ts when adding this yeah. in. This is not a perfect one size fits all thing. As we talked about, we got, we want to go through no. some do's and don'ts. You want to start with do's or don'ts? You do the do's, do's, don't do the don'ts. Do the do's. <laughs> all right, let's do the do's. Do the do's. This is first things first is know your starting point. So like Tony was yes. saying, like do those tests. You have to know what your body is capable of and where you're really lacking before you choose what you're going to focus on. Don't go into it blind. That also can really lead to an injury, like almost instantaneously. If you don't know that how bad your knees actually are and you're trying to do something way out of your comfort zone, that's not good. So that'd be the first thing. 
And then Absolutely. also starting with a warm up, like Tony said, getting that blood flowing. You don't, the last thing you want to do is go into any mobility routine really stiff. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be anything super long. Just get that blood flowing. And then I think this is going to be just important that we've touched on, but it can be very overwhelming when you think about all the mobility exercises out there and how intense to go, how often, but just progress gradually, like cons be mm -hmm. consistent and hone in on what you really need to first, but don't try and go all in right away. Increase the intensity, complexity yes. ov slowly over time, largely to prevent injury, not the main reason, but the last thing you want to do is predispose yourself to more injury by doing too much mobility work too fast. Consistency, long game, huge. And then yes. incorporating a variety of movements is important. I'm not saying do everything at once. This is why I think this point can be contradictory to what I just said yeah. of like progressing gradually, taking it slow, but over time using a range of exercises to target different muscle groups and different joint movements. You don't want to do the same thing over and over again and think that this is just my routine doesn't need to change. And yeah. then just really listening to your body throughout, that's going to be the tell all for how far you should go and how much you should do and what you're capable of doing. So how your body feels during the exercises, making sure you're adjusting accordingly, just like you would in your strength training program. Your body is going to tell you what your limits are. Don't try and push them and then keep it simple. That's going to be the name of the game for mobility, not to try and do everything all at once. And especially if you look up I remember I was getting overwhelmed. Looking at mobility routines on YouTube can be really overwhelming. Like oh my God. It is, it, There's so much. People will tell you like, this is exactly what you have to do. Or someone will throw out this like 25 minute routine to do before your workout. And it's like, what? Like I only have 45 minutes in the gym. How am I <laughs> going to just do mobility for 25 minutes? Seriously. Um, but it does yeah. not, <laughs> it does not have to be super long and super intense no. and crazy. I yeah. Think. Like find some, like if, you, if you're really pinched for time too, like find some that you really feel like, cause that's going to be something like mm -hmm. doing a, a bench knees over toe lunge. I might really feel that in my ankles and knees. Mariana might do this and be like, I just don't get it. Right. Maybe something else works better. Like if you really feel like you're getting a good stretch, right. Which like she said, like, listen to your body. It should be uncomfortable. It should not be causing pain. But if you're like, you're feeling a good stretch, if you feel good afterwards mm -hmm. and you stand up, you're like, whoa, I notice it. Keep it right. Because that's probably going to be different than anybody else like what it is for you there's no best or yeah. worst thing you could do so that's a huge piece into the don'ts do you have any more do's to add no i think i mean I, you really nailed all of them so some don'ts Absolutely. some don'ts don't rush through these movements again if you're allotting 10 minutes for a mobility routine that doesn't mean that if you don't completely finish it that's okay if you only have 10 minutes and you only get through the first three exercises instead of five and you have to go into your lift that's better than rushing through all five of them you don't want to go do really fast jerky movements it should be performed in a really controlled and deliberate very intentional yes. manner which takes time so you're going to kind of have to alert gauge how much time that's going to take you i could say this is a 10 minute routine but for someone just starting out maybe 10 minutes is only going to be the first two exercises and because yeah. you're learning, you're trying to figure out how this is supposed to feel. That can be one of the most Absolutely. difficult parts of a mobility routine. So just know that that's okay and don't try and rush it. 
Yeah. Uh, or even add it to a different part of your day or routine to where you don't have to rush it. Like if you only have 45 yes. minutes in the gym, maybe pick the one biggest movement you can do to warm up and get your body going. That'll help you perform better. And then do the rest after at home another day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Find a time that works for you. Another big one that I think people don't realize, and I have seen the biggest change in my mobility since I've been really consistent with Pilates. And I think a lot of that has been connecting to my breath with a lot of my mobility work. And so the don't here is to don't overlook breathing. Breathing into your stretch is going to be important. And it's also going to help just kind of relax you a bit more. If you're focusing on your breath versus holding it in and being really tense, you want to relax your muscles as much as you can, or at least try to. And proper breathing is going to be essential for that relaxation piece. And it's going to help with stiffness. So don't overlook breathing. Absolutely. Don't expect changes overnight. You're improving your mobility no. is a long process and it takes consistency and dedication. It's not, it's not sexy. It's not like you're going to see some huge change. Like it's for the long game. I feel like looking for little wins though is going to help make well, you more motivated. Absolutely. But I'm even saying like, if you, if you're going from someone who doesn't involve any real mobility into routine and you are deliberate and consistent for even a couple of weeks, it's not going to be like night and day differences. But even over just a couple of weeks of consistently doing the movements and trying to get better at them, you can notice a pretty big level of like ease in discomfort. Like if you have a tight lower back or hips or in movements, like you'll, if you're going from nothing to being consistent with it, it's not going to take six months for you to be like, oh, I'm finally not feeling pain oh, in my lower back, yeah. which is, is more promising. But yeah, it's not going to be a, I did it once. Where, where the hell am I? Where's my treat? Where's my, yeah. Where's my treat? And if you're not filming yourself for form videos in the gym on movements, who cares if you have a coach, obviously with a coach, like you sending back and forth, if you're on your own, you need to be taking form videos. Cause this is one of those reasons where you might not be able to notice it, but if you compare your squat today to like a month from now or two months from now, after doing this, you might not be able to see it because you're noticed like when you're day-to-day living it, you see changes, you know, in the most incremental moves forward ever. But if you compare a form video side to side from one or two months apart while working on mobility, it'll look like a completely different movement. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not taking form videos, not even just for that, but for your mechanics and just getting comfortable with movements and weight choice. But that's another big aspect. And then the last one I think kind of goes without saying because we've been talking about it so much, but sometimes people subconsciously do this, but don't slack on your full range of motion movements or lifts. A lot of people you may not even realize that you're not taking your joint through the full range of motion. Start to pay attention to that. Am I actually capable of doing this? And I've just been kind of compensating a little bit, or I have been focusing on pushing as much weight as possible instead of thinking about going through the full range of motion in my squat. Really don't underestimate that form piece on your compound lifts. It is huge. I got one more don't. Because this is a personal experience. Learn from Grandpa Tony over here. Something that I did over and over again. Because this this last year is when I've been consistent with mobility. I've played with it around whenever I got injured before. But one thing that I would do before this year is if I injure my shoulder for bench press or a nagging injury put up, I would then start to add mobility and routine to fix that injury. 
right? I'd do dead hangs. Like I would take it serious. I would add 15 minutes. That's even more than most people need, but I'd add 15 minutes to the beginning of every single workout working just on shoulder mobility, anything else. Mm -hmm. Right. And over the course of a month, month and a half, it would get better. The pain would go away. Right. Because I was doing all the right things. Here's what you don't do is don't do what I did. As soon as it got better, I'm like, I don't really need to be doing this anymore. You stop. Right. Because <laughs> as you're doing it, you're like, oh, this is, I feel it loosening up. But when it's loose and you heal the injury, you're like, I don't need to be doing this anymore. And I slowly, you know, like 15 minutes turned into 10 and then 10 turned into five. And then I'd do one exercise and then I just put less effort into it and I'd stop doing it. And then who would have freaking guessed two, three months later, injury right back in the head. Mm -hmm. Right. This is a preventative thing. Everyone waits yeah. till they get injured to do it. Don't be that person. Like you will make so much more progress over time if you just don't be that. Don't wait. Don't be reactive. Be proactive. Not as sexy, but it can change your game. That's my additional don't because I've made that mistake probably 10 times. And I'm an idiot. That's the do's and don'ts. We will, in the comments too, I'll, I'll put in, what's this freaking name? The book I mentioned, The Becoming a Subtle Leopard. I think that's what it is. And some other links to like ATG, everything else. But we'll also have the sign up for our premium, which is again, just five bucks a month. And that's where you get access to all of the mobility programs that we made, all of our training programs, the AMA every week, the Legion giveaway. It's all for five bucks a month. So we'll put that sign up in the show notes down below. If you want to check it out, get your mobility on. But uh, we'll see everybody else in premium this Friday for our AMA. Everybody else will talk to y'all Monday. And we hope you have a productive and relaxing weekend.